Thanks, Lisa. If you don't have a Bible with you and you like one, feel free to come and grab one here. Also, if you feel like you might want to write something, uh, there's a little handout uh, with my notes, my points on there. Uh, there's some pens here if you didn't bring one. Um, so grab that if you want to. Uh, and I'm just going to change the side of this. speak through me, help me to speak your truths, uh, and that you would take them uh, and put them in each of our hearts, help us uh, to apply them to our lives, uh, that we might love you more and know you better. Amen. Does God care about me? I wonder if you have ever asked that question, maybe not out loud, maybe just in your head, does God really care about me? You've got bills piling up from the house, from utilities, medical appointments, education fees. Money's really, really tight. Then there's a birthday approaching. How are you going to afford it? You wonder, does God care about me? A close friend is diagnosed with a terminal illness and you're struggling with your own issues. You feel like you can't even support them the way that you'd really like to. And the bad news just keeps coming. First it's this, then there's that. And you wonder, does God care? Does he care about me? You turn on the news and Russia is still uh, trying to invade the Ukraine and there's flooding again. And there's another politician that's got allegations of abuse against them. You think there's so much going on in this world, so many big things, bigger than me, with all of that for God to look after. Does he really care about insignificant little me? I think it's a fair question and it's a common question. Maybe you heard that our topic today was how to come to God with confidence and maybe you thought, yeah, I want to go to that because I'm not actually confident that God always listens to me when I come to him. I don't know. I don't know. How could God care about me when he's God of the whole world? Sometimes it's easy for us to feel like there's no point going to God, like our things are, are too small or too insignificant for him to care about. But I want to share with you today that we can, you can come to God with confidence knowing that he cares about you, knowing he cares about me. And how can we know this? Well, I think Psalm 23 gives us three reasons, and they're on your outline. We can come to God with confidence, firstly, because he provides for us. Secondly, he protects us. And thirdly, he promises us a future. So first of all, we can come to God with confidence because he provides for us. Grab your Bibles and read with me from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The psalm starts off by describing God as our shepherd. Now, he could have called God our king. Uh, That would have been appropriate and right. And in fact, kings in the ancient Near East literature actually were often portrayed as shepherds looking after their people as sheep. So there is kind of this kingly idea in the background here. But shepherd, it's such a more personal term than a king who sits on his throne down there with his subjects. No, the shepherds lived with their sheep in the fields. They slept in the slept in the sheep. They slept in the fields with the sheep, uh, protecting them, being there with them, doing everything for them. They were the ones who led them, who fed them, who made sure that they were safe. They were intimately involved in their sheep and they were personally invested in looking after them. And God is like that for us. Did you notice the psalm writes, the Lord is my shepherd, making it even more personal again. Not just a shepherd, not even our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, the God who cares for individuals. And because God is my shepherd, I lack nothing. There's nothing I need which I don't already have. It's like that game we played at the beginning. What couldn't you do without? What would you be lacking if you didn't have it? Well, God has provided for you everything that you need. There is nothing that you are lacking that God has not already provided for you. Some older versions, you might have a different version of the Bible. Some of them say, I shall not want And it doesn't mean I never want anything, uh, but what it means is I shall not be in want. I shall not be wanting for something that I don't have. And I wonder if you saw all the things that shepherd God provides. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The idea is God provides nourishment and rest. He knows what is best for his flock, and he provides them. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. He, God brings liveliness and vitality. And he doesn't leave his sheep to their own devices to find their own way. He personally leads them along the right paths. Or a different translation might say, paths of righteousness. It's not just that these are the correct paths for the sheep to go down. There's this moral idea. Uh, They're the right way because God is leading the sheep in obedience to himself. And why does he do all of this? Why does he provide for us? Verse 3 says, for his name's sake. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, in Hebrew culture, your name revealed much about you to other people. I'm not sure if you noticed, but the psalm didn't start off saying, God is my shepherd. Have a look again. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And if you look carefully in your Bible, you'll notice Lord is all in capitals. That is a signal uh, that the Hebrew word it's translating is Yahweh. That was God's personal name that he revealed to his people of Israel. Yahweh chose the nation of Israel to be his people. He made a covenant with them uh, that he would be their God. 
So Yahweh is a promise-keeping God. He's a God of faithfulness. So when Yahweh looks after his people, like a shepherd looks after his sheep, providing nourishment and sustenance and energy and guidance, he's acting in a way that is consistent with his faithful character, consistent with his name, for his name's sake. And in turn, that reinforces his people's confidence in him so that they can trust his character. It's a bit like this. I have a friend uh, who's long-term fostering a little girl, basically adoption without it being called adoption. Pretty soon after this little girl started living with my friend, she started calling her mummy. My friend was looking after this girl as though she was her own daughter, caring for her, providing for her needs, loving her. And so the name mummy was perfectly appropriate for the little girl to call her. My friend was acting consistently with the name Mummy, and so that reinforced to the little girl that her mum would continue to care for her as a mum. So in a similar way to that, when God provides for our needs, he's acting consistently with his faithful character, just like my friend was acting consistently with the character of being a mum. And just like my friend's little girl trusts her mum to continue to be a mum to her, because that's who she's shown. That's who she's shown her to be. We can trust God to be our faithful provider, because that's who He has shown Himself to be. Yahweh, the promise-keeping God, is our shepherd, who provides for us. But you know, for us here today, God has provided even more richly than David knew as he wrote this psalm. Because not only does God provide for our physical needs. He's provided for all of our spiritual needs in Jesus. We've been reborn. We've been given new life in Jesus, even more than just the soul refreshment that this psalm speaks of. We have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts, not just giving us guidance, but also comfort, discernment, and making us into the image of Jesus. Yahweh, our shepherd, provides for all of our needs, and so we can trust him to do that. I wonder if you trust God to provide for you. I'm sure you'd say yes. I'd say yes too. But I want you to have a bit of a deeper think. Do you live and make choices in a way that shows that you trust God to provide for you? When I think of God providing for me, Uh, The first thing that springs to mind is money. I think I find my security in knowing that we have savings. We have have a healthy savings account. We haven't been using it. We've been growing it. I'm feeling good. This is okay. If bad things happen, we're going to cope with it. It's all right. But if finance has been really tight and maybe we've had to dip into our savings and our savings are going down... I start to wonder how we're going to make ends meet and feed our family, which has never been anywhere near that bad, right? But that's where my mind goes. And and I go, oh, how am I going to provide for my family? And I start to get all kind of worried and worked up. What about you? What is it for you that you find your security in? Maybe for you, it's in your bank balance. Do you feel the pressure that you need to work overtime so that you can keep that well-paying job so that you can provide for your family, but actually you're sacrificing time with your family in order to do that. 
Maybe you're reluctant to be generous in giving to God's work because that money is then not in your savings account and maybe you need that money. Or maybe you've taken on an extra job or extra days at work because you feel like you need the more income, but then when it gets to the end of the week, you're just so smashed and exhausted. You can't have the energy to get to church and meet with God's people. When our security is in our own ability to provide for ourselves, often we make decisions that prioritise other things, maybe things like money or work, over our relationship with God and our relationships with other people. But God provides for his people for all their needs. God has given you everything you need this far in life and he will continue to provide for your needs. So trust him to provide and then watch and see how he comes through for you because God is our provider. The second reason this psalm gives us to come to God with confidence is that God is our protector. Have a read with me from verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The darkest valley here is a Hebrew phrase that shows the most extreme darkness. It's like saying the shadowiest of shadows or the blackest of black. It's like the darkest times. And, you know, it doesn't say if we go through the darkest valley. It's not put as an option of what might happen. It's saying even though I go through the darkest valley, it's going to happen. You are going to face really hard times in your life. Maybe you haven't got there yet. Cheer up. They'll come. (laughs) You're not going to miss out. (laughs) This is something that's going to happen. But even in the middle of those terrible, dark periods, we don't need to fear. Did you see why? Because God is with us, protecting us. I wonder if you notice the change in this verse. The first three verses... God's spoken of in third person. He provides for me. He cares for me. He leads me. He refreshes me. He guides me. Here, it's the second person. You are with me. It's like the psalmist is saying, God is so close to me. He's right here. And you know what? I'm going to talk to him right now. Yahweh, you are with me. Your God, your staff, they comfort me. Now, I'm pretty sure you can guess what these shepherding tools, this rod and staff, um, why they would bring comfort to a sheep. Because what a a shepherd would use to protect his sheep, to keep them um, safe, keep them on the right path, and keep them from danger from their enemies, right? So if a fox or a lion was going to try and attack the flock, attack the sheep, it was the shepherd's job actually to save the sheep, even if it put himself in danger. And David, who wrote this psalm, he knew this. He started off as a shepherd boy himself. Uh, And in 1 Samuel, David's talking to King Saul about going to fight Goliath. And he says he has courage to fight Goliath because he's fought lions and bears who tried to attack his flock. So with God as his shepherd, he knows he has this same kind of protection. Now, honestly, I can't imagine a teenage boy fighting off a lion and a bear with what essentially is a stick, right? But it actually must have happened because 
This is what shepherds did. And I, I wonder if it kind of adds to the idea of the psalm. You've got this, this picture of this young boy fighting off this huge lion with a stick. Well, translate that to us. We've got God fighting off things that seem really big and huge with his power and he has the tools, if you like, um, to protect us, to protect his sheep. Just like the shepherd could and would protect his sheep from these really big, uh, strong dangers, God can and will protect you in the dark times that you face. And this should give you comfort. Not just, there, there, it's going to be okay kind of comfort. No, I think a better translation of, you know, they comfort me would be, they give me courage. We have courage to keep going when we're dealing with really difficult things because we know that God is right here with us and he protects us. Most of you know uh, that we live in the house at the back of the property there. Uh, it's way back from the road and most times it's really nice because we have a fair bit of privacy. Most people don't even know uh, that we live there. Uh, in lockdown, it was really nice. We had all this space the kids could use. Uh, but at night when it's dark and you're that far back from the road and you don't have neighbours on either side, it can get a little scary. There was one night a couple of years ago, hands was out and it was raining and pitch black. The kids were in bed, it was getting late, and I heard the sound of footsteps outside on the gravel. And I thought, oh, Hansie's home. That's funny. Didn't hear the car. Oh, that's okay. Then there was no key in the door. And so I kind of went over to the window and just snuck a little look out the blind to just check that the car was there. And it wasn't. And I freaked out. And I'm like, who is walking around outside in the dark that I can't see? Uh, and I'm in here, okay, so I brought the dog in um, to try and give me a little bit of comfort. If you know our dog, she's big, um, but she'd just lick someone if they came in the front door. She's not going to do anything really to protect me. I got on the phone to Hands and I was like, I think there's someone outside. Can you come home right now? Uh, which he did. And once he was home, I felt much better. He walked around the property with a dog. He couldn't see anyone. There seemed to be no one there. I don't know if I imagined it. Um, but I knew that I wasn't alone, that he was there, that he would protect me. He's bigger and stronger and braver than me. Uh, and I knew that he would protect me because he loves me. And we have that in God, don't we? He's bigger and stronger and more powerful than us and braver than us. And he's right here with us and he will protect us. And we know that because he loves us. But how does God actually protect us? Because we've already said this is not uh, the sort of protection that God stops hard times from coming. It's not like he takes you out of a difficult situation and protects you from having to go through it. So what, what does God actually do to protect us? How are we protected by God when we go through really hard times? I think it's this. Your biggest enemies are Satan, sin and death. They are the things that have the potential to ruin your life, 
to ruin your future, even to ruin your eternity. But those are the very things that Jesus defeated in his death and resurrection. And because he defeated them, your salvation is sure and they ultimately have no power over you. Yes, we still live in a world um, where they have an effect, but it's like they're the enemies in the picture in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Enemies are there and God's preparing a feast for us, his people. We're able to enjoy that even in the presence of these enemies because we're not fearing them. They have no power over us. They can't touch us because God has us safe. We can rejoice and celebrate the victory that Jesus has won over our enemies, even with those enemies still around, because God has protected us from them by securing our salvation and assuring us of our future. We're going to talk about future a little bit more in the third point, so I'm going to stop there for that. But I want to ask the question, how do we come to God with confidence in the middle of really hard times? Maybe you're going through a really hard time right now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're not in a good place mentally. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe when you wake up in the morning, it takes so much energy to get up. You would just rather spend the day in bed. And you might feel really alone. Maybe no one really gets what you're going through. Maybe it's because you haven't told anyone or maybe because they're not going through exactly what you're going through. You feel so alone. How do you come to God in those times? One of the ways that Satan tries to attack you is to get you to doubt the promises of God. So how do we fight against that enemy? How do we fight against that temptation? Well, you remind yourself of the truth of the gospel, like David does in this psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. You are with me. You comfort me. God, you are protecting me. I'm going to keep trusting in you. You remind yourself of God's love, of his presence, of who he is. And you cry out to him. That's not unbelief. That is not a lack of faith. When you cry out to God, you're saying, God, I know you're there. I know you're bigger and stronger. I can't do this, but you can. It's an expression of faith to cry out to God when you're really, really struggling. You're reminding yourself that God is bigger, that he is protecting you. And so you can pour your heart out to him. Tell him how hard it is. Talk to him just like you would to a close friend. You can tell him anything, anything that's on your mind. And ask him to give you the courage to keep going. Ask him to remind you of his presence. And ask him to bring you through that hard time and out the other side. And keep doing it. It's not like we pray to God once and everything's fixed or easier. Uh, but knowing that God is with us in the hard times, 
gives us courage to continue. And you know, when we pour out our hearts and our soul to Jesus about the effects of sin and evil in this broken world, we can have even more confidence than David did. Because in Jesus, what did God do? He stepped into our world. He experienced sickness and pain and suffering and injustice and betrayal and loneliness. He experienced maybe not exactly what you have gone through, but he has experienced the pain of this world. He knows what it's like. So when you cry out to him, he doesn't just listen. He understands. He can sympathise with you. And he walks alongside you, guiding you and protecting you. So in your dark times, let me encourage you, cry out to Jesus. Remind yourself of the truth of his love and his presence. And remember that one day he will come back and put an end to it all. Which leads us to our third point. God gives us the promise of a future. Have a look at verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the word love here, sometimes it's translated loving kindness. It's a word we've talked about a couple of times in different talks at Flourish. It's a Hebrew word, hesed, and it means a committed, steadfast love. It's the type of love that's shown within a covenant relationship, like marriage, and a special type of love that God shows for his people. The psalmist here knows that God's goodness and his steadfast love will be with him, following, not just following along behind him, but like pursuing him his whole life long. Surely, he says, this will be the case. There's no doubt about it. It is going to happen. And he will dwell in God's house as God's guest, or more than that, as God's family, living with God forever. It sounds like a perfect picture, doesn't it? And it is. It's an amazing promise that we have. You know, we don't know much about our future. We don't know exactly what will or won't happen. We don't know if plans that we make are going to come to fruition or if they're going to fall in a heap. You might not know if you're going to get married. You probably don't know any of these things, whether you're going to stay in your job uh, or how long for. You don't know if your kids will keep following Jesus as they grow up. You don't know if you're going to get a terminal illness. You don't know how long your life on this earth is going to last. But what you do know is that God's goodness and his faithful, steadfast love will be with you every single day of your life. On the good days, when it's green pastures and quiet waters, God's goodness and love is there. And in the darkest valleys, God's goodness and love is still there. You can be certain that God's goodness and love will never leave you. 
This week, my daughter Emma went to Zone Athletics Carnival for running. She was going in the 100 meter sprint and the 4x100 relay. And she had she'd never been to Zone before. She was very, very nervous. It was on Thursday and from Sunday night, as we we're getting ready for bed, I'm really nervous about Zone, Mum. I'm really nervous. I can't go to sleep. I'm really nervous. I don't know what's going to happen. Mum, we've got to talk about this because I'm really nervous about Zone. Every day, every night. And we, so we talked about it a lot. And I said to her, you don't know what's going to happen at Zone. You don't know if you're going to come first. You don't know if you're going to come last. You don't know if you're going to fall over. You don't know if you're going to be disqualified. You don't know what's going to happen about a lot of these things. But what do we know? Well, we know you're going to go on a bus with people from school. We know there's going to be teachers there. We know that you're going to have some friends there. We know that you're going to go in the race. I know that you're going to do your best. And you know that we are going to be proud of you and we're going to love you no matter what. Those are the things that you do know. So don't worry about the things that you don't know, but try and focus on the things that you do know. And what do we know about our future? We know that we will experience God's steadfast love and goodness all the days of our lives. And we can be sure that one day Jesus will come back and take us to be with him forever. And all the sickness and all the mourning and all the pain and all the injustice and all the bad things will be done forever. So when you get caught up in uncertainties about the future, maybe you're like me, worrying, what if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What's going to happen? I don't know. And all this fear of the unknown, Stop for a second and remind yourself of what you do know. Maybe even memorize verse 6 of Psalm 23 so that you can remind yourself, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We know enough about our future to give us hope. We know enough about our future to trust God. And we know enough about our future to give us confidence. Confidence in God's love for us. So let's go back to where we started off, asking the question, does God really care about me? Can I come to God with confidence, knowing he cares about me? I hope that I've shown you that the answer is yes. You can come to God with confidence, knowing he cares about you in any situation that you're in, the good times and the hard times. You can know that God cares about you because he provides for you and because he protects you and because he gives you a promise of a future. God does care about you. So come to him with confidence. Let's pray. Lord God, Yahweh, our shepherd, please give us confidence in you. And I pray that whatever situation we feel that we're in today, whether it's a green pasture or a dark valley, that you will give us confidence to come to you, knowing that you love us, being assured of your presence with us and finding comfort in your protection and the promise of a future.
Amen.